Today is about trusting yourself, even when it feels like the rest of the world doesn't trust you. Today is dedicated to all those moms whose children have autism spectrum disorders and attention deficit hyperactivity disorders or ADD, ADHD, and you have been asking yourselves a question. Why does it seem like my child who is on the spectrum or my child with ADHD, ADD, is allergy prone? Why does it seem like they're the child in my family who seems to get the allergies? Why? And you ask this question to other people and they tell you, you know what? Um, I don't know. There's no link. Uh uh-uh. No link between allergies and these conditions. Well, I'm here to tell you that trusting your intuition can lead you to the right place. And sometimes you just have to wait for the rest of the world to catch on. Hi, I'm Dr. Evka, the mom at the playgroup who's in charge of the food and the lecture series. Empowering other mothers when something seems off with their children. Sharing mindset work when it comes to motherhood. Medicine made understandable. And mastery of your child and who that child is when they have food intolerances, feeding challenges, or other of your concerns. You've heard that I'm a family doctor, a feeding physician, a life coach, a nutritionist, and a best-selling author. But if you ask me, I will tell you, I'm another mom just like you, and I'm your friend. Just remember that this information is being shared for educational purposes only and some of it's opinion-based. If you have a specific medical concerns, please see your regular doctor. That's not me. Hey, mom. Today's topic is a little bit controversial in the medical community, but I'm there for you. I'm there for all the moms who weren't believed before. I'm there for all the moms whose children have these conditions and are allergy prone, because I want to share with you the truth, at least my version of the truth. And I strongly believe that the research studies that are coming out there right now are showing a link between allergies like food allergies and development of these disorders. So I think this is so important because if you were getting doubted or you were even started to doubt yourself because people would just tell you there was no link, I'm here to tell you that there is a link. And I think this is a really huge topic because let's say that you have a young child and they have all kinds of allergies, like lots and lots and lots of different allergies. But at this point, you don't think that they have ADD, ADHD, or you don't think that they have an autism spectrum disorder. You just know that they are very allergy prone. What do you need to do? Is there things that you can do early on in development when your child is still young to kind of ameliorate these other developmental conditions? And we think you can. And I'm building part of my platform on that premises. So as time goes on and you get to spend more time with me, we're going to have lots of conversations about that and what you can do.
Because of course I can talk to you all about food allergies. Of course I can talk to you about all these feeding challenges in children. I know them, but I want to make a greater link. I want to provide you with a kind of crystal ball that allows you to look into the future and make some potential conclusions. There are no guarantees, so some potential conclusions. And my story begins with mast cells. Da, da, da. Masts. M-A-S-T. Masts. Sailing to There are two types of masks. I like the mask that reminds me of a recent trip to San Diego. Okay, well, not that recent. It was a couple of years ago when my husband was working there. And I would come there, even though we lived on the East Coast, I would come there to visit him because he was working a lot of hours and I missed him. And I'd get to enjoy the San Diego Bay Area. And one day, I went on a sailing trip adventure. Just enjoyed the bay so much. Enjoyed being in the water, sitting on that sailboat, watching the sails. But the sails would not be able to move unless they were attached to something. Unless they were firmly held in place, partly by masts. That's not the kind of mask that I'm talking to you about today. The type of mask that I'm talking about today is a mast cell. Yep. Have you ever heard of it? A mast cell. Okay. So there are a couple of really interesting things about a mast cell. The first really interesting thing is that mast cells are located in just about every organ system. The skin, yeah. The digestive tract, yeah. How about the brain? Are they located in the brain? Uh-huh. They're also located within the brain. These mast cells are located everywhere. And what do the mast cells do? Well, the mast cells are part of our immune system. They prevent us from getting really sick with all of these foreign invaders that shouldn't belong going into our bodies. Now imagine this. You are in your high school biology class, and today the high school professor tells you something really interesting. He tells you that all around us, there are these organisms that we can't see. There's thousands, millions, billions of them everywhere. And maybe you can look at them under a microscope and he shows you the microscope that's in the classroom and you can look at these bacteria. Harder, viruses may be a little bit harder to see, but you can see some of these bacteria and other parasites um, under the microscope. And they're everywhere. They're on our skin. They're other surfaces. And sometimes they get into our bodies. In the same way, sometimes allergens like pollen or perhaps trigger foods, they can get into our bodies. And when they get there, they meet the mast cell. Da, da, dum. Now, the mast cell is responsible for multiple functions, but the two I want to talk about is how it secretes uh, tryptase, beta tryptase, and histamine. 
No. By a show of hands, how many of you know what histamine does? Okay. And how many know what beta tryptase does? No. Most of you are probably not that familiar with beta tryptase. And you know what? That's okay. I'm going to discuss both of them right now. And I'm going to discuss with them what they do in the body. All right, so beta tryptase has multiple functions in the body. We're still trying to figure out many of them. It's involved in blood clots, uh, allergic responses, immune responses. Tryptase, beta tryptase, tends to be elevated if a person's mast cells are really working. Because when they're really working, when the mast cells are really activated, they secrete a lot of beta tryptase. And then the other thing that these mast cells secrete is histamine. So I'll tell you my story about histamine. Do you remember the last time that it was a high pollen count outside and you had seasonal allergies? So you looked on the internet, you saw, oh gosh, the pollen count is high. There's all this ragweed in the air and you know that you are inhaling it and you have symptoms. You have some stuffy nose, you're sneezing, you have itchy, watery eyes. Many of these symptoms come partially due to the effects of elevated histamine in your body. Yes, histamine. So let's say you are sneezing, you have the runny nose, you have the itchy eyes. What do you do? You go to your pharmacy and you go to the -the over-the-counter section that has medications to treat your allergies. You pick up an anti-allergy medication and you check to see what the active ingredients are on the other side. And guess what you'll see? You'll see names like cetirizine, levocetirizine, loratadine, and fexofenadine. What do these medications do? They're histamine one blockers. They block the effects of all of this histamine. So when you take them, when you take these histamine one blockers, you have less of the itchy, watery eyes, you have less of the sneezing, perhaps less nasal congestion. Now you and I both know that the only symptoms of allergies might not be respiratory. They might not be the itchy, watery eyes, the stuffy nose, the sneezing. You can have allergies in multiple organ systems, like in the gastrointestinal tract. If you have food allergies, you could have nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, bloody stool, that's mucus filled. If you have allergies of the skin, you can get various rashes, perhaps they itch. How about the brain? Remember that mast cells are located in the brain. What does an allergic response of the brain look like? Maybe you have some foggy brainness, right? Your brain feels like it's full of brain fog. Maybe you have difficulty concentrating. Maybe you have sensory sensitivities. Maybe it's hard for you to sit still. Maybe you feel a little bit off because you're having this allergy response of an inflamed brain. Now, can you think of any medical conditions that children may have where they're having these kinds of symptoms with the foggy brainness, the sensory sensitivities, the difficulty concentrating? 
and things like that. How about autism spectrum disorders and attention deficit disorders? Can you see how there could potentially be a link among all of these conditions where the person who is allergy prone may get this inflammatory allergy response of the brain and wind up with symptoms that mimic autism or ADD, ADHD. Okay, friends, I completely nerded out on you and I'll continue to do that. So just bear with me. We discussed mast cells and how they can be implicated in this link between uh, allergies and ADHD and autism spectrum disorders. But the link is way more complex than that. There are a lot of other cells and a lot of factors that go into this potential link. Another example out of many is uh, the Pac-Man cell of the human body. Yep, Pac-Man cell. In New Jersey, we have the boardwalk. In the boardwalk, you can play Pac-Man in some of these arcades. So basically, you have this pack person who navigates a maze on the screen, eating or gobbling up pack dots. Um, 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 well, we have cells in our body that kind of work like Pac-Man. What they do is they find foreign substances, and they gobble them up. Um, 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 um. They do a couple of other things too, that, but that's part of what they do. They're called macrophages, so they're the macrophage Pac-Man of our bodies. And most of the time, they're just found in the bloodstream outside of the brain. There could be a couple that are found within the brain, but most of the macrophages that we have are found outside of the brain because we talk about this like blood-brain barrier or almost like this force shield between the rest of the body and the brain, and we want to prevent certain toxic chemicals from getting into the brain. But sometimes that force shield is a little bit weak or that blood brain barrier allows other items to go in. And one of the things that it might allow to go in are these macrophages, these Pac-Men. And when these macrophages go into the brain, they cross that blood-brain barrier, you can have more inflammation, more brain inflammation. And what are the symptoms of brain inflammation? Again, you can have things like sensory sensitivities, irritability, hyperactivity, Foggy brain, you know, you get the picture of symptoms that you would get in many who have an autism spectrum disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. So the immune response is pretty complex and the link between all these things is complex. And you know what? I'm going to stop uh, nerding out on you. You can always ask me questions, but let's talk about some other aspects of why this is important. Okay, there was a landmark study a couple months ago. I wouldn't say like so, not earlier this year, but like late last year in December, where they looked at like over 20,000 people, over 20,000 children, and evaluated to, to see what the link was between food allergies and these conditions. If a person had an autism spectrum disorder, they were much more likely to also have a food allergy. 
if a person had a food allergy, they were also more likely to have autism spectrum disorder. This study of like thousands of thousands of people found these links. Okay, so you have a child with an autism spectrum disorder, and at some point that child may be diagnosed with a food allergy. But think about the it from the other standpoint. Let's say that you have a child who has multiple food allergies or, or these more significant food allergies or just food allergies in general as a baby or as a young child. And at that point, they seem to be developing okay-ish. And you wonder, do I need to be concerned about? I would wonder, like, what's next? What else is going to go on? Are we just going to have these or is there more in store for us? This information almost provides like a crystal ball into the future. If you have a child with food allergies, are they at increased risk of developing an autism spectrum disorder? Even if you're not noticing any major symptoms at this point, and the answer might be, yeah, especially if they're young. So you would want to closely monitor these children to see if they develop something. Uh, perhaps there are therapies you can do right now to kind of help decrease that risk. And I want to talk to you more about those. I want to discuss what you can do right now if you are concerned about a risk of these conditions. It's partly what I'm basing my platform on. So, of course, on this platform, I'm going to discuss food allergies and the ins and outs of uh, food allergies. And I'm going to geek you out a little bit on food allergies as well as feeding challenges. I, I know the stuff there. I'll give you tips on how to help your child to feed. But I also want to look at the forest and not just the trees. So what's the overall picture? If... A person, a young child has certain symptoms. I like to say that they have the food allergies or they have the significant feeding challenges. I don't know if we didn't discuss feed, significant feeding challenges in this podcast, but let's say they have those. What else does it mean? What are the other things you need to watch out for? Is there meaning in this? And I hope that you stay tuned to the rest of my podcast episodes and also like subscribe to my newsletter list. I am providing information in various places and the information is going to be a little bit different from place to place. You're not going to have access to all of that unless you're on my newsletter list. So go ahead and do that, please. Also, if you want more people to listen to this podcast, rate it five stars for good measure, please. Uh, that allows it to be sent to more individuals and for more individuals to be able to listen to it. Now, one of my big concerns by sharing all of this with you is that I just completely freaked you out. My goal was to provide a kind of crystal ball. It was not to give you an anxiety attack. And I want to say that even though we're talking about links here, even though I am telling the parents who... As children already have these diagnoses who already have the autism spectrum disorders or the attention deficit hyperactivity disorders that yes if their child has allergies yes you're more likely to be allergy prone with these conditions however 
There's a difference between me saying that there's a link or there's a potential and that happening to your child. Just because two things are related does not mean that they cause each other. Your child may never develop food allergies, even though they have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or autism spectrum disorders. They may never develop them. Or your child might not develop an autism spectrum disorder or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder just because they have food allergies. It might not happen. In fact, there are many, many children who have food allergies who do not have many of these conditions. We're just talking about increased risk. And I'll give you an example of what that increased risk may mean. My backyard is full of trees. We have the tree inspector come by periodically to make sure that the trees are all safe and healthy and none of them are going to fall on our house or on a neighbor's house. And so we had a tree inspector come by a couple months ago and the, uh, the tree inspector said, oh, your trees are healthy, everything's fine, nothing's going to fall. And we knew that there was a risk because we live in a wooded backyard. Anyway, a couple weeks ago, our neighbors call us and say, did you know that a tree of yours fell on our house? And we were very surprised by this because the tree inspector had said everything would be fine. But we live in a wooded area. Of course this could happen. Of course there were trees in our backyard that could potentially fall on our neighbor's house. And we were able to help our neighbors. So don't worry about that. They're fine. But certain things are linked together. There are no guarantees. All right, well, let's discuss this topic more in the future. Let me know if you want to know more about it. I look forward to seeing you this time next week uh, for my next podcast. And I hope you have a wonderful day. And bye-bye. All right, friends, that's it for now. I look forward to talking to you again this time next week If you like this podcast and you want other people to listen to it,